Hello, and welcome to this episode of From My Cup. Here we dive into the gracious overflow of God's great wisdom within the Word. So from God's cup to ours, and from our cup to yours, we welcome you to this conversation between friends. So leadership. You wanted to start us off with a scripture? Did you have one that you wanted to start with uh, specifically? Um, no, I think I'll just let you start. I okay. think yours really leads into mine, so. Yeah. Well, I guess I should start by saying that I think it's something important that we all have to pay attention to is even if you're not called to be a leader, to pay attention to what a leader is supposed to be. And I think those reasons will become more apparent as we dive into the scripture. And we have definitely fished out a lot of scripture on what it means to be a leader. But what I found was that the Paul's letters to Timothy were a great resource into defining what the church leadership should look like. Because I think that's the, was mainly the point of the letters it's what that's what comes across to me is that Paul was trying to tell Timothy how to set up his church and how to be leaders and how to ordain leaders I guess I would say how to set them up because I even have a few from Titus and that seems to be for him too um Paul writing to him and saying like hey I I left you to appoint elders in each town that you go to so that they have someone to look look to. And that's what a lot of these scriptures are. So a lot of mine are in Timothy. <laughs> With the qualifications for what the Bible defines as overseers. So first Timothy first Timothy three, one through five says, This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, an able teacher, not not addicted to wine, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy, one who manages his his own household completely, having his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and fall into condemnation of the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders, so he does not fall into disgrace and the the devil's trap. The biggest thing that I find interesting, because I really don't know, is that there's a few different titles that are spelled out. There's Mm -hmm. first this overseers, and then directly following this, it goes into the qualifications for deacons. Mm-hmm. And then we have something called elders, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So all of the, most of the traits are very much so the same. And so First Timothy 3, 8 through 13 goes into deacons and it says, Deacons likewise should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can go and serve as deacons. Their wives, too, must be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful in everything. 
Deacons must be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own household completely. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in, in Christ Jesus. Not too much different than <laughs> our own calling, mm-hmm. but um, very rigid, I, th- I think. Leaders that, are, that have followed the faith almost all of their life, you know, can't, mm-hmm. be, can't be divorced or, or I would say at least like profane divorce, not remarried after divorce or something like that. I don't really, I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't feel qualified to, to define that at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, these, these guys have to stand up to a pretty rigid test <laughs> of yeah. faithfulness. And yeah, it has to be pretty thorough. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the thoroughness, like even, um, when you're reading for the overseers and it says um, having his children under control with all dignity. Yeah. And I like that because I think some people it's just like, I've heard this too much from people that it's like, um, you know, a man's supposed to rule his house with an iron fist as in it's a reference to the Bible. Like the old Testament is apparently there's some scripture way back in the old Testament, like right right next to, you know, exactly how you're supposed to wash your robes before you go into the temple, like, because we're Mm -hmm. all adhering to that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But it's, I don't get that at all here, you know, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. It's who manages his household competently, having his children under control with dignity. Like, it's so much more thorough than just being in control, you know, like this idea of like alpha male or whatever (laughs) doesn't fit the bill at all. You know, it's it's so, so much more than that. I agree. And I think scripture agrees. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it is, it's interesting. It doesn't, these like top tier roles that are available require peace and gentleness. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll get into some more that say that specifically as well. Yeah, it's it's very important. And you know when you find these people. Like, these people do exist. This isn't some pie in the sky that's that we're incapable of getting to, you know? Like, I've... Exactly, yeah. I've seen these people. And I, I think one person that comes to mind is a pastor we've mentioned a few times, Pastor Carter Conlon. Mm. And he's the type of man that comes to mind when I read this, you know? I agree, yeah. Because he's, he's very strong and... As far as I know, he always had his house under control, but with dignity. You know, there was a, a kindness and a gentleness there. And the love between him and his children really showed it was more than just having them under control. You know what I mean? It was with dignity. He even seems to be the head of his, like, his grandchildren. Like, when he talks yeah. about his kids, even his grandkids. And it's just like, this is a man who really is the head of a very large household. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I think that's um, we'll we'll get into this later in the podcast, but that's something that comes with being the type of person to do this. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean. When you truly adhere yourself to the gospel, then all of these things really fall into place, and you know that's kind of mm-hmm. kind of be our entire point that we'll get to. But I, I think it say, really shows with him. Yeah, I will say the one thing that I feel confident in saying. 
is that you don't have to be married necessarily. It's just that yes. if you are, you can't have like flings and and <laughs> you yeah. have one wife in your lifetime and you didn't stray from scripture pretty much. Yeah. I think that's exactly. the point. Yeah, I agree with that. Um we had one more category which was the qualification for elders. And that goes into Titus. Um and this is Paul speaking to him through the letter, and it's Titus 1, 5 through 9. The reason I left you in, in Crete was to set right what was left undone, and, as I directed you, to appoint elders in every town, one who was blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of wildness or rebellion. For an overseer, as God's administrator, must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not addicted to wine, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled, holding to the faithful message as taught, so that he may be able to both encourage with sound teaching and refute those who contradict it. The thing that I find interesting is that elders have extra roles that mm. are mentioned they at the the role of elder actually sounds a lot more like how we think of pastors because mm-hmm. they seem like the the person that is doing the heavy lifting kind of mm-hmm. or doing the footwork so i have also james 5 14 through 15 here that is is anyone among you sick Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So the elders, I don't know if that's a branch, like that branches over also like the deacons and whatnot. I feel like it would have meant it would have specified as an overseer in general because i feel like that's the overbranching one so i feel like there's a difference between a deacon and an elder which is mm-hmm. pretty lost on the structure of the your basic american church mm-hmm. though that does not mean that doesn't mean that just because that church doesn't have it doesn't mean they're not doing anything good i'm just saying that mm-hmm. these are kind of lost titles and they're not really defined a lot anymore yeah i definitely feel like they're kind of lost on me yeah that might be it (laughs) it's lost on me i guess i never saw that in in my experience i've never seen it yeah i think it feels a little bit vague like i feel like we get the requirements for what these are but then like the description of what it means I feel a little bit lost on, you know, and that's probably something that's probably one of those things where you like you'd get into I think that's what apologetics is where you like get into the history and actually find out what this meant based Mm -hmm. on like history if I actually and I should probably do that. I feel like I want to do that now so that I have kind of a better idea of what the structure was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been getting into it and I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. It has completely opened the scriptures up for me in in a new way it's not a necessary way but it's a really enriching one Mm -hmm. so it also has um a treatment of elders paul explains in first timothy 5 17 through 21 it says let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor 
especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it's tread when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except for for on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, and of all the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging. Do nothing in partiality. It seems that eld- the, the elder role is a more authoritative role than just like an overseer mm-hmm. or maybe a deacon. I'm thinking maybe like a deacon was like a cultural thing and that's why he had to address it. But I have absolutely no idea. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I probably shouldn't even say this because I haven't done my research and I'm not sure. But I believe the deacons go all the way back to like the Old Testament. I believe that's something that has been, yeah, you know, in the in the Jewish culture forever and a day. But I agree with. I really wouldn't be surprised. I agree with what you're saying here. Um, that the elders sound very similar to what we call pastors nowadays. Yeah. I don't, I, because even just what um, Paul says to uh, Titus is that appointing, appointing an elder to every town, kind of like as to say, like, as like a teacher. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's something that's probably just pretty lost on our culture. I mean, pretty much every other culture just a few hundred years ago they always had like the elder of the town you know there was mm. there was what was known as like the big man and what um like uh mm. i don't have the word for it historians maybe would call like the big man whether that was chief king what have you you know he was just mm-hmm. kind of like dubbed the big man and then there was the elder which even though not in charge of like political stuff was often looked to as being like the source of wisdom for that group of people. And that I think just, I mean, our life has has really gone on such a global scale at this point that we've kind of lost touch with that community structure that I think would often demand an elder. So I think this is something that's kind of the definition, you know, that we're both kind of struggling with here. I think it's something that's probably just kind of lost on us because of the culture, because of the way that we grew up. But I think this was something that was actually probably pretty common for a very long time, just to what the elders were. You know, there were always elders, and <laughs> and he's kind of defining what that is. And one thing I want to say, I don't believe that elders really has to do with old age. Like, that's spelled with an E, right? first of yeah. all. <laughs> it's not the olders. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Emmy just started playing our podcast. <laughs> she, podcast. she hooked it up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, that's all right. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think you have to be, like, old to be an elder. I think, yeah. um, I think at some point you kind of become an elder, right? Well, yeah, because... It's kind of hard because, you know, it did say, I went through that, right? He can't be a new convert. Right. Oh, yeah. There, yeah, there's some kind of age. With you that. have to be You have to be seasoned, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say. Absolutely. But not, 
not necessarily like kind of like you know because we brought up pastor carter Mm -hmm. but you know how pastor carter stepped down kind of Mm -hmm. i feel like in my mind it was set up like thinking elder like they've probably already served as a pastor Mm -hmm. but you set them up as a step back for like you know like they've done the role so you go to them as for advice yeah kind of way kind of like how paul is being towards timothy right now Mm -hmm. in like most and all the other apostles throughout the scripture and who he writes letters to anyway i think that's the trap that i fell into because that's how that's what that's totally 100 percent what i was expecting to find (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's not (laughs) yeah it's not necessarily i think i i think that role happens pretty naturally like what you're saying like it it becomes the person that's because you have to be seasoned, like we're saying, you know, you've, you've done it for a while. And I think yeah. I think you'll often find this with age. But I think it was Timothy that he told Timothy, like, don't let them not listen to you because of your youth. You know, Timothy was very young to be doing everything that he was doing along with all these other guys that were much older than him. So I think it's really just an individually based thing. You know, it's like we have... We have right here the requirements of being an elder. And I don't think it's reliant on age, but it is reliant on experience. Having and been tested know. Yeah. in your faith. So the end of Second Timothy, I think. So Second Timothy three, sixteen through seventeen says All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I think it's just if scripture has made you equipped, if you're equipped, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you're a man of studied in God. Right, because these things show. Mm-hmm. You know, you know when you meet somebody who meets this qualification, and if you're not sure, they probably don't. Right, yeah. It's like the age-old relationship vice. If you know they like you, they like you, and if you're confused, then they don't. <laughs> if you know this fits the bill, then it fits the bill, and if you're not sure, it probably doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I was going to say the weird thing, though, is that Deacons were the ones where he specifically says must be tested. Mm. And if they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. And that their wives, too, have some... They need to live up to the role. So this was a very important role. Mm -hmm. And And that's very important to... um, Not to talk over you, but that, that, that importance of your spouse living up to it as well. That's very important and shouldn't be discounted when setting up people and places of authority in the church. Yeah, because that's You know, it's it's described in the Bible the two will become one flesh. You know, here on this here on earth there will always be separate souls, but here on this earth they're joined forever no matter what. And they have to live up to the standard as well because I mean, I think, I I don't imagine you could have been in the church circles very long without having met that couple, that one half. You're like, 
I feel bad for that person because they're completely on it. And then you look at their spouse and you're like, that person's going to wreck their ministry every time. Unfortunately, there's a lot of that. And um, that's why the Bible warns us to not be unequally yoked. Mm. I think it's interesting, though, um, the thing that even though some of these titles might be not relevant, there is a relevance in that there's not just supposed to be one guy at the head of the church. Mm-hmm. That there's supposed to be overseers and deacons and elders and people collectively together being servants for the church. And um, just to say it, um, James 3, 1 through 2 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he does, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Mm. Just that, just to prove that point, that there is a lot of similarities in the quality of person that we are upheld to, to be, mm-hmm. but that you shouldn't be rushing into one of these specific leadership roles no. and you sh- and you really do have to have all moats and logs and stuff out of your eyes and <laughs> yeah. out of your life and that is something I feel like just hearing from people who are out probably would be called outlers is that that does come easier with season and with age yeah yeah because it comes with practice yeah, I've heard that but, you know if you're young and you get saved, it's a, it, it gets e- it's like easy right at the beginning. There's this mm-hmm. really difficult middle part, and then at the end, once you hit like old age, it somehow like something new and refreshing about your faith happens mm-hmm. just with age. And then it, there's some like easier wave in there where you're more seasoned and you get like your second wave, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I I would think so. I would think it also just like the cares of this world really get lost on you at some point. At least they should at some point in this life. Once you get old enough, you know, a lot of the things that are stumbling blocks to us, especially stuff like lust and relationship stuff, I feel like at some point that's got to just leave you be, right? (laughs) You know, I, uh, I think you get to a certain age where that stops being such a stumbling block and it probably gets much easier to focus on your faith. Yeah much easier to understand what really is relevant and what really isn't relevant, you know? <laughs> I also, I, I wanted to point out um, something that you had said before this, it was earlier this week when we were uh, doing our research on it, that even though it's easy and we both have talked about how we've been guilty of kind of dismissing these scriptures because we're like, well, I'm not called to that. Right, um, right. That, of course, there's the aspect of you should be looking for all of these attributes in the people who are in uh, authority in the church. But also, I think what you had said was was really good, that we should be still applying this to our lives, attempting to apply this to our lives, mm-hmm, yeah. even if we're not looking for these, you know, quote unquote, leadership roles, which I don't think you should ever really look for a leadership role, and we'll get into that. But I think 
it's a really good practice to be looking at this and saying, this is what my life should look like, regardless of whether I have some kind of authority in the church or not, and striving for that because this is set out to keep, to, to ensure that these people are truly dedicated to Christ and they're truly living their life in Christ, you know, that's, so it's giving yeah. us what that should look like. And we're all called to that. We're all called to, to strive for that. And so this is a really good way to, to look at this and apply it to ourselves, even without the idea of the title. I was going to say that in our everyday lives and just our, our worldly lives, we may be in positions of leadership and in influence. And if that you have that, that you do, I think, once you become saved or, or, or are saved, that you may have these responsibilities on you and you don't realize it, is that you do become something that look, that people look at. And I know that in the basic sense, as ambassadors of God, we are supposed to be the posts that people look at to say, like, that's godliness and God's with that yeah. person. So in some element, though it's not the same, we do have this inherent responsibility of, of how we, how we represent. Mm -hmm. I know now being like a mom that, that the psychological, the psychological to whatever, what, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Psychological. (laughs) Yeah. That thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still my, Emmy's trying to eat all the candy corn right now and I'm. (laughs) Like, <laughs> yeah. out of her mouth as she like picks it up like, <laughs> orange sticky mess it's okay I understand but uh yeah I know that at every single moment and in everything whether it's a learning moment or not she's looking to me to see how to respond and how to act mm-hmm. even if she realizes it or not either your yeah. kids are looking at you to see how to be mm-hmm. in every situation. But yeah, that's definitely something that I wanted to bring up as well, is that if you really look at your life, you are in a quote unquote leadership position somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what we're going to dive into with the scriptures I found is what your mindset should be, I guess, in that, in that moment, because yeah. This topic is something that has come up in my life a lot, um, especially in the past few years. I don't really know why. I just know that it's something that God has consistently reminded me of and brought me back to many of the scriptures that I, I wrote out today to talk about. And especially a few years ago, I was being offered, again, this quote-unquote leadership position. And it just, it just grates on me to use that word leadership. And I'll, I'll like share a few stories as to why eventually, but, um, so it really became like a point to me to understand what Jesus says about it and the way that he views it, because I was really uncomfortable with it when this was kind of, kind of being offered to me, kind of being asked of me. And I was, it was presented to me as that word leadership. And there was something about it that was just really rubbing me the wrong way. And I was like, there's something about this that isn't right. But what they're asking of me as a description of that is, 
So I was really confused and that made me really dive into this. Mm. And I finally kind of talked about the difference and I actually got some pretty aggressive pushback when I talked about it, when I was trying mm. to use these scriptures, which was interesting. Um, and then and then I heard it again. I heard that word leader and leadership being talked about again. And I was like, hey, we should do a podcast on this because I think it's really important. Mm. Um, but it's something that came up because I also, I also realized how much, um, in my, in my boxing program, my coach told me that his little daughter watches everything that I do. He was like, she watches every move you make. She listens to every word you say. And that kind of chilled me to the bone. I was like, that's a serious responsibility. And in all of these scriptures, that I read about what Jesus says um, about being great and about being an authority and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm not using my words very well. But in all of these scriptures, it like immediately went into children and being like how you, I'm not using my words very well. But for all the scriptures that I read, it just like it instantly went into kind of the responsibility that we have to children. And that was one thing that really stood out to me as, as I was doing this specific study is that we all are in these quote unquote leadership positions. We all do have some level of authority in this life and the fact that the next generation is constantly looking at us. And it's so easy. I think especially for people like you and I, you know, we were the we we're the youngest sibling, you know, we were the youngest and we were the girl of the family. And so like it was so easy. I think I don't know about you, I kind of suspect so, but I know with me, I was always the youngest, I was always the smallest in every group that I was in. Everything I did, I was always like the youngest one there. I was always like the baby and I was always, you know, kind of had my word disregarded. And so it got really easy to fall into this place of never realizing the influence that I have because from my perspective, I didn't have any influence, but then realizing, wait a minute, suddenly I'm working with kids. You know, I've got my little nephews. I'm working with these teenagers, you know, teaching them to box and stuff and realizing, whoa, this stuff really does apply to me because whether I realize it or not, these people really are watching everything that I do. They're listening to everything mm -hmm. that and I need to be living up to this as well. And I guess that's why it became so impressed upon me to really define this for myself. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I definitely relate in some ways. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I do know that also in a lot of ways, just looking back on my life, that people did look to me at sometimes mm -hmm. and I it's, it's really alien to me now but at the moment that's definitely what it was yeah is that I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit really young in a really public way mm -hmm. and afterward a lot of the kids that were my age were like not a lot maybe like one or two had said that that they wanted to be like me and I, of course, I'm like, 
really disgusted with myself because of course I was a damn fool then because I, I was <laughs> I was young and I and I did not have a lot of knowledge and mm-hmm. even though God had used me it was just because at that moment I had put myself in a position where I could have been <laughs> I laid myself mm-hmm. low enough at that moment to be and when they said that to me I completely shut them down I'm like no please do not do that <laughs> mm-hmm. but I I can see that thread in my life where I was kind of always a mom figure to probably a good handful of kids you're definitely the mom friend yeah you're definitely I, the so- mom friend <laughs> <laughs> It's followed me all my life, that that, <laughs> that thread. But I definitely, yeah. I, I think that you have more influence than you probably noticed, yeah? Because you, you definitely have, I don't know, people pay attention because you are, it's been following you around a lot longer that wanting to be gods and living with a reverence to God. Mm-hmm. And that's always what, influenced me very positively in my life was that and I think that people are drawn to that because it's God because another thing that these scriptures also make apparently clear is that it is by God that all these things are even possible in the first place it's Mm -hmm. faith in God and and what he does through you that people are picking up on Mm -hmm. so I think that whether we knew it or not or whether we were taking the responsibility for it when mm-hmm. you dive into the spiritual realm and you cultivate any kind of faith people catch up on it because they're thirsty for it too absolutely i mean you know you become that light on a hill that's what jesus says happens to us you become a light on a hill you know that attracts a lot of attention and it it is put on display so I liked what you had said when we had talked about it, about the fact that we, should, we shouldn't be disregarding this as, oh, that's out of my realm. I'm not appointing these people. I don't intend to be an elder. I don't intend to be a pastor or a teacher, yada, yada, yada. And so just kind of disregarding that, I think it's something that we should be applying to ourselves without that hunger for authority. And um, did you have more scriptures? I do. I just have a few more. Okay. Um, Because I, just to compare and contrast, in Titus 2, 1 through 10, I I titled this as roles for all. And just to see the the similarities between um, the, the elder and teacher roles to these. And it says, but as for you, teach what what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, and to be self-controlled, pure, walking at home, walking, (laughs) working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching so integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that the op- so the opponent may not ha- so that an op- opponent may not be put to shame. 
having nothing evil so to say. May be put to shame. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So these little calls to being teachers, we do have these in like many ways many ways i say mm-hmm. like in smaller forms we are called yeah. to be teachers and just mm-hmm. thinking on the fact of like god reaps what he doesn't sow we are supposed yeah. to be sowing these seeds in the people around us we are supposed to mm-hmm. be on that front all the time poking holes in the opponent's bad thinking even if mm-hmm. we don't get to a gospel message every time we're supposed to be sowing little seeds so that God has something to work with in people. Not that he needs it, but that that's yeah. our job. <laughs> the rest, Yeah, is- absolutely. And, and I think, yeah, this is even pointing out that that's just plain the way that you live your life. You know, it talks about, I think here being bond servant is basically like being an employee. Yeah, um, definitely, yeah. And just about how you're meant to conduct yourself, you know, as a, as a man, as a woman. Well, really what it says here is as a, like a husband and a wife. Um, and I love what it says here, sound speech that cannot be condemned. I think that's something that's really been ignored a lot in our culture is there's some very unsound speech. Mm, yeah. And it's it's seen as not a big deal. But we hear we, we have here, I mean, all the all the things, you know, reverent behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to much wine. Mm pure self-controlled kind you know it's it's and and like you said that it's a lot of the same exact things being commanded Mm -hmm. to all the people it's very repetitive and so that an opponent would be put to shame because they'd have nothing evil to say about us Mm. because we we still have that authority if you call yourself a christian you have some responsibility to that you know yeah, I think that's the big there. overarching thing is that if you are a believer in Christ, your your goal is to be raised up into maturity to this level mm-hmm. where you are capable of handling the responsibility that comes with it. Yeah, because it's going to be expected of you. Mm-hmm. And, and it's you expected are... of you by the world. I think, you know, the yeah. world always acts like, oh, Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites and they act like they write us off. But at the end of the day, they're watching every little thing that you do, man. Mm-hmm. They're For looking at every little thing, you know, and it's because they know that it's real, whether they want to admit it or not. Yeah. And so they're they're constantly paying attention to try and assure in themselves that they're in the right and we're mm-hmm. in the wrong mm-hmm. and we're not to give them fuel for that. Mm. So 2 Timothy 2.24 says, All the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. Mm. Able to teach is in there. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you are a teacher. It just Mm -hmm. means that you're able to teach. You need to know the scriptures good enough to be able to regurgitate it (laughs) and to give it to somebody. And that's, you know, that's something that we've talked about a lot just between the two of us. Where we're like, I don't want to come across as being preachy when we do this. We're like, but you can't 
you can't spend real time in the gospel and not turn around and teach it again. Like you can't. Right. Yeah. You know, it, like it compels you to talk about it. We're compelled to talk about it. You know, just in the whole conversations that we've had about the importance of of the assembly, which is what we're getting here. You know, where two or three are go- gathered, God is in the midst. Mm-hmm. Um, you you have to talk about it, and that ends up teaching it, and you should strive to have that ability. Now, that doesn't mean that you are a teacher of the gospel or a mm-hmm. teach. You know, an ador- ordained teacher of um the word and the law but you but yes we have to be able to teach each other especially just in conversation when somebody says something wrong and you're like oh no that's not quite right this is what that means and they should be able to test that in their spirit and be like you know what you're right you know you can't you can't spend real time in the gospel and not find yourself in those situations you just can't you're going to be put in those situations I know I know personally when I'm reading in the in the Bible and I come across something or I have a revelation I just want to go to everybody I know and be like did you know this? I just want <laughs> yep. this. I'm so amazed. <laughs> I'm exactly. just baffled. I'm just God is so cool and I right you want to talk think, about it. Yeah. I think if this message scares anybody like if you're really new in the faith or you're kind of like a wobbly believer and it's kind of like that's really scary to me mm-hmm. just trust jesus it's not you anyway <laughs> yeah you just I think devote yourself don't, don't go jesus out of your and... way to make the situation happen yeah you know like i can always tell when i'm really on it with my faith and when i'm not because yeah. because of the conversations that just fall at my feet you know, I don't end up having conversations and I'm not really able to bless people when I'm not actively in the scripture. You know, those opportunities don't even present themselves. Hmm. But when I'm steadily in the scripture and I'm steadily putting my mind towards Christ, I always end up in a conversation. You know, you I always. Have, I was going to yeah, say, you can you can have great peace with that, too, because it's probably God. Yeah. Who told them to come talk to you anyway. Whether yeah, they, they have no idea, but it was God who sent them to you. So mm-hmm. have a level of peace when someone comes yeah. to you. And don't be anxious because if the Holy Spirit sent them to you and the Holy Spirit's going to talk to them through you. Mm-hmm. Just And if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. That's okay. You know, but you'll usually end up getting asked about stuff once you know it. You know, like I can think of so many conversations that I'm like, you know, somebody came up and started asking me something about God or something about the Bible. And it was literally because I had just been dedicating myself to that. <laughs> and I sit, I sit back and think about it. And I'm like, I do not know how this person even knew I was a Christian. Like, I don't know this guy from anywhere. I have no connection, like where I'm at. I remember I was at school and um, there was this guy, Robert. Shout out to Robert. He's the only reason I passed calculus. <laughs> but we Thank would you, get Robert. together. <laughs> yeah, we would get together and he would explain what we were doing in calculus to me and my friend Russell, which, you know, shout out to him. It's the only reason I ever I got through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then he would always end up asking me questions about God and asking me questions about the Bible and stuff. To this day, I have no idea how he knew to ask me. I have no idea. All I can say is at that point in my life, I was spending so much time in the scripture 
and I was spending so much time in in praise and in worship. Hmm. And I was going to church steadily, which was such a blessing. And I was very involved. And just like that, I was answering all these questions that I, you know, never set out to answer. I never presented. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not something that I set up. It's not something that was ordained. It just happens because, because God's, God's in it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I am going to open the door for you and your scriptures just by going through like two or three more. Yep. And these I pulled out because this was Paul talking about his walk as these appointed titles to Timothy. Because he, the message to him was to remember what I taught you and to imitate how I've been. So 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 12 says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we have we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, you will also deny us. And that goes on. But um, just that he's choosing to suffer under that title. I guess I should have put more of from that chunk in there. But I literally have almost all of both of the Timothy books written down. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just kind of like, this is kind of the chunk that I wanted to focus on. Mm-hmm. For I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with, with eternal glory. That's the main heart that these titles and that these roles must have i think yeah just from the realm of paul so i have two more chunks here so second timothy 1 8 through 14 says therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our our lord nor of me his prisoner but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of god who saved us and called us to his holy calling not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know who I, whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able, that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you hear from me in the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Hmm, I like that. Guard the good deposit that is entrusted into you. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that... Um, for Timothy specifically, he had people pray over him and they had prophesied about him and the good things that he was going to do. 
mm-hmm. which is a big part of both of the letters that are here for him that, mm-hmm. that we get to read now from Paul. Because Timothy, I think, was bound for a life. I don't know much about what happens for him afterward, mm-hmm. but I think he was bound for a life much like Paul. And I think that's why um, he was made... Paul refers to him as his son through yeah. faith because he that's mm-hmm. how he thought of him as as almost his own child even in yeah, this one you second get that Timothy, for sure. yeah in second Timothy 2 1 through 7 it says then you then my child mm-hmm. <laughs> being strengthened by the grace that is in that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled with civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An Mm. athlete is not crowned unless he completes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Mm. That one really gets me i i don't know why that was like the big mamu baby for me like Mm -hmm. the punch in the heart share in the suffering as a good soldier to to christ jesus no soldier gets entangled with civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him Mm. yeah i think that's i know that's a constant reminder that that I am constantly reminded of mm-hmm. whenever I read the scripture like that, that message right there is what constantly jumps out to me. And it's, it's what's constantly brought up to me mm-hmm. is to remember that, that your, your one and only aim is to please the one who enlisted you. Mm-hmm. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. I think that's very important. It's just that great warning, because I think overall, we see a lot of, like, church workings to try and avoid the rules, <laughs> to try and, like, <laughs> yeah. let to water down the rules and to try to make it, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's bad, but is it really, you're going to lose your eternal, your eternity right. bad? Nah, like, just, yeah. it's like, no, strive for more. Mm-hmm. Don't don't stay at the little baby comforty stage. Go in yep. deeper. And that is scary and that is hard, but mm-hmm. it's not going to happen until that fearlessness and that goodness that Jesus promises is there. And he also promises that he who asks will be given and he who knocks it will be open. So mm-hmm. the another truly really is the better way. It's harder, but it truly gonna, is better. It is just going to wear you down until you realize that. One or two things is going to happen. You can try and stay at that place, and I'm speaking from experience, and two things are either are, is going to happen. You're either going to walk away or you're going to go deeper. Mm-hmm. You are not going to remain there. Do not let anyone sell you that you are going to because it's just not. It's, it's not, not going to happen. Yeah. <sighs> I got through all my scriptures. <laughs> okay, I think, well, you had a, 
couple more little ones here. I think I, I already... Um, oh, did you read those already? Yeah. Okay. But I think I just as an end thought, I guess I can read 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 again, which is that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Mm. If you're feeling unequipped, if you're feeling any of those things, yeah. And that if you're not in the scripture and you're not doing it while equipped, this is like the, the danger. This is the thing that'd be weighed against you mm-hmm. or for people who go about trying to do this and they're not called is that if you're not trained and not corrected properly through proper scripture which may be really foolish of me to say because we're definitely not (laughs) i'm definitely not (laughs) but i'm just saying that it seems that the scriptures are saying this yes it's saying that the scripture is good for these things but here also lies the warning that if you don't have all the scripture and that you're lacking in some areas and you're not ready to fully teach on a subject then you need Mm. to be fully and openly openly honest about that because it's going to be weighed against you pretty heavily it's really important to be able to say i don't know about that yeah there's going to be a lot of times where you need to just say that you know i know i know times where people have asked me questions and i'm like hmm i don't know i don't have a clear vision on that you're right you got me (laughs) i don't really know and i think that's uh it's much better than just trying to fake it for sure Thank you for joining us on this episode of From My Cup. Please join us Fridays for new episodes in any of your local podcast listening stations. For shorter clips, now join us on YouTube. Just search for From My Cup and there you'll find us. We hope to see you there. God bless you.